Hi, it's Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features Ellis James, and I'm just going to say from the beginning, is brilliant. He was really good. I enjoyed it a lot, and I think you will too. So, uh, yeah, we'll get straight into it. I've just got a little bit of the usual admin. Um, as I've said on the previous episode, unfortunately, uh, we're no longer doing our Desert Island Dicks live with Lou Sanders, but we are getting her on the podcast very soon. So look out for that because uh, it's coming your way imminently. And to make sure you get that uh, straight to your phone or wherever you listen, then do subscribe to the podcast because then you'll never miss an episode. And that's useful, isn't it? You don't have to wait for any reminders from us on, on Twitter or Instagram. You just get it. Bam! You're the first to listen and you get a prize. You don't get a prize, but still. Also, in addition to subscribing, if you feel like you've enjoyed this, if you're a new listener and you're enjoying it, why not leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever? Because it's really helpful for us and we will be very, very appreciative. And you win a prize. You don't win a prize. I've got to stop saying that. That's about it. So thank you for downloading it. Let me shut up. And instead, let's get Ellis James on to share his Desert Island dicks. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian, podcaster, actor and broadcaster Ellis James. Hello. How are you doing? Very good, how are you? Good. I forgot I agreed to say that uh, Vibe Merchant in there at the beginning as well. Yeah, Sorry. if you could check that in, please. Sorry. And Vibe Merchant, Ellis James. <laughs> and Vibe Merchant, Ellis James. <laughs> uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Well, actually, I'm quite wound up because this morning I had to think of the worst people, foods, drinks, songs, films and animals to spend my time with on a desert island. So I was actually quite chilled when I woke up this morning, but I've just been running through a sort of roller decks of things that I loathe in my mind. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm looking forward to the podcast, but um, it's, it's put me in a very odd frame of mind, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. I mean, I'd like to think that maybe once you've got it all off your chest, you'll be okay for the rest of the day, but it might be that, like a bad song, it lodges in your mind and, and these choices yeah. repeat over and over again. Well, I'm playing five-a-side later on, so I don't know, maybe, maybe this will translate into my game and I'll start making very rash challenges, <laughs> all sorts of, you know, lashing out. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll just have to go and see how it goes. And, um, okay. you know, if, if something amiss happens with your five-a-side um, uh, later on, you know, just get in touch and, um, you know, I'll, I'll sort out some kind of compensation. I don't know. Okay, I don't know you. quite how we'll work it out, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm anxious not to affect your personal life too much. Um, I mean, generally, are you a kind of someone who manages to not explode and rant a lot or do you need to sort of have a little safety valve of, of ranting to kind of maintain an equilibrium? What, in general or on the five-a-side pitch? Just in, just in general. Um, in general, I'm quite placid but i realized this during the pandemic actually that um i i really need time on my own mm. if i spend too long with lots of other people and i don't get to recharge on my own then i can find myself getting slightly impatient but in in general a fairly happy placid laid back sort of person i think okay i actually reckon i'd be quite good on a desert island 
if you could still get your own time to yourself, then that's okay. I guess it depends on the size of the desert island. Yeah, and Wi-Fi. Yeah, and Wi-Fi. I mean, if I, if I had Wi-Fi, I'd be absolutely fine. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you, have, you have children, so I think most people with children would sort of enjoy the first week of isolation, I think, a little bit, you know. But, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before, before you started missing them terribly, obviously. Please, please rescue me in a bit. Yeah. Okay, Ellis. Well, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's hear who your first dick is going to be. Okay. Well, in terms of people, this this took me a long time to narrow down. Um, so, what I'm going to go for initially is when John and I started on Five Live, we used to get lots of very angry tweets from listeners, which we we get far fewer of them now. But especially if I was getting them to my personal. Twitter account. I would often look at the bio, and there was there were there, there were always certain themes. Certain themes would emerge from people's bios, um, from the people who were t- t- tweeting us very angrily in capital letters when we first started on the station. And um, you would often get uh, proud dad. Mm. Uh, proud dads don't like us. <laughs> uh, proud dads, uh, patriots. Mm. But um, the one that always used to stick in my head, because this is actually more common than you'd think. It would be uh, Andy, Sheffield United fan, 48, contrarian. Can you imagine (laughs) being on a desert island with a contrarian? (laughs) So there's there's two of you. Mm. And you're like, okay, so so, I don't know, let's let's imagine the scenario... um, the plane has crash-landed, sort of lost style, and you're the only two survivors. And you've survived alongside a contrarian. <laughs> so he's. So you're saying, I think we should build some shelter. Well, I don't, actually. <laughs> okay, fine, let's, let's not build a shelter. I think we should, um, I don't know, maybe sort out a fishing rod or something so we can eat something. Well, I actually don't think a fishing rod would be a good idea in this scenario. <laughs> within, within an hour, it would be so deeply irritating. And contrarians often, in my experience, they think that they're the clever ones mm. and that they think that they've got all of the answers and that we're all, you know, we're just a bunch of sheeple who are blindly following um, following the lead. And they're, they're the ones who've really drilled down into what, you know, the real world is actually like. And occasionally they might have an interesting perspective or point of view. But on a desert island, if it's just the two of you and survival is paramount, I just cannot think of anything worse than than being with someone who would um, disagree with consensus. Because I think in this situation, you're stressed, you're anxious. There has to be a a certain amount of consensus. Otherwise, Mm. it's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. People who call themselves contrarians, it's like you're still living by most of the societal norms that the rest of us (laughs) are. That's a good point. So it's not like... You've still got pants on. Yeah, you're still wearing clothes, you live in a house, you go to work, and it's like you're yeah. not really subverting the norm that much. You know, it's not like you've gone completely off grid. Yeah. You're on Twitter for fuck's sake. Like, how contrary yes. are you? You know? Yeah. And also, you know, it's like a lot of people have also put their age, which team they support. So straight away, you're quite normal in that regard, you know, as a, as yeah. a con- contrarian. I am, um, I'm a big Beatles fan. And I, 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 I do have a slight problem with, not with all, not with everyone who doesn't like the Beatles, but there is a certain kind of person who doesn't like the Beatles who is doing it to get a rise out of the general public. Mm. And, 
you know, do you know what? if you like classical music or jazz music or whatever, and they don't float your boat, that's absolutely fine. But there's a certain kind of person who delights in saying, well, I actually think they're just no more than a bloody boy band who uh, got bloody lucky, actually. And they I would uh, listen to the Beatles, but I'm too busy yawning because I'm, so bo- I'm so bloody bored. Yeah, well, <laughs> not as good as Eric Clapton, in my humble opinion. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, well done. You're really brave. I think there's something as well about people who who proudly describe themselves. You know, because you get an idea of who you are, but I don't think I have enough nailed down certainty to say in my bio, this is me in one word. You know, it's like people who go, oh, well, uh, I'm a bit crazy. Like, they're never very crazy. No, you know? yeah. And people who sort of go, well, this is me. I'm a contrarian. It's like, you probably aren't. You're probably just a prick. You probably just like arguing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy, 48, a prick Yeah, yeah, put that on your bio it's, Yeah it's, You know, because we're reading between the lines here According to my wife and son, a prick Yeah um, After a while, I suppose it could be quite entertaining Trying to get them to just go in circles And sort of disagree with themselves Or, you know, contradict themselves a lot You know, a, a contrarian It doesn't mean that you disagree with everything It means that you... You tend to disagree with the sort of the, the general consensus. Mm. But in my experience, the people who describe themselves as contrarians will just a degree will just disagree with everything mm. because they seem to like arguing. So I think what will happen is you would eventually have to there'd be a lot of double bluffs. There'd be a lot of oh, I don't think we should get um a safe uh, source of clean water. I think that would be a bad idea. And then you'd have to sit back and let them think that they've come up with the idea <laughs> on their own. And then obviously we, we can all move on mm. and uh, progress. But um, it's a very sort of uh, sixth form attitude. It's also, in, in my experience, quite male. It's often yeah. it's often blokes who are like this. And I just haven't got the time to... I haven't mm. got the time to disagree that much. I don't. I don't like confrontation enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Desert Island. Someone who's that confrontational. Because I think you know, on the on the face of it, a lot of the things that contrarians would have issue with probably exist in the modern world. You know, like this, lots of things like okay, today there'd be things like vaccines, politics, Brexit, all these kind of things. Yeah. You think maybe removing them to a desert island would sort of take all that ammunition away from them but i yeah, think they'd that's, still that's a, bring yeah. it up though i think they'd, they'd still find a way of sort of shoehorning it in you know even if yeah. you're just sitting there looking at a lovely sunrise they might say oh yeah well you don't get this back home of course uh some people will tell you that's down to pollution um both yeah, from cars yeah, yeah. and, and street lights uh, they're actually wrong on two counts there and yeah you know, just just really crowbarring shit in like that you're, you're in your hammock and you're covering your ears because this bloke is going on and on and on about Britain's relationship with the EU. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about the common agricultural policy. Um, I mean, you know, we're marooned. Yeah, we have literally left the EU now. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> There's no arguing anymore. <laughs> I'd love a trade deal. <laughs> Okay, well, I think a contrarian is a brilliant first choice. Uh, who's going to be joining the two of you then? Okay, for a long time when I was thinking about this, it was going to be a specific person who once cut my hair. <laughs> um, 
he was my usual hairdresser. And I said, um, I was just making small talk. I said, so uh, do you like uh, tip music? And he went, no. I was like, oh, um, okay. Uh, do, you, do you like sport? No. Uh, oh, is it, well, so what are you into? Like films, is it? No. Telly? No, I don't, I don't have a telly. Okay. Um, <laughs> cars? No. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. Um, uh, po- po- poetry. He's like, no, no, not really. I haven't done poetry since school. Okay. And I said, so what, what, what are you interested in then? And he said, I just text my friends. Now he, <laughs> he, he would be, he would be difficult to spend time in a desert yeah, island with. Yeah. So I thought I was in the show, and I thought, oh, great, I'll choose, I'll choose that hairdresser. And then I remembered something Izzy told me. Now. Izzy, my partner, who's been on this podcast, mm. um, she studied uh, drama at college, and even though she went on to do you know, mainly comedy stuff like you know, Peep Show and Man Down and Damned and all that kind of stuff, um, when she was at college, obviously there was a huge emphasis on like not not you know they were doing plays, but also they were doing musicals and stuff, lots of singing mm. and dancing, and I I didn't go to drama college and. Um, when I was studying, I must admit, I didn't realise how hard they worked. I thought it was a bit of a DOS, but they're, they're constantly in rehearsals because they're always putting a play on or they're always putting mm. a musical on or something. Or there's always some performance that they're working towards. So they're often in very early and they're rehearsing all day. But as he said, they just love to perform so much. <laughs> <laughs> she was saying that she'd be in the canteen at like midday because they've got an hour off for lunch and then they're going back to do more rehearsals. The people she was at college with would love to perform so much. Often, someone would just jump on a table as everyone's trying to eat like a sandwich and have a can of coke, and just go, "Luck be a lady tonight." <laughs> <laughs> just start like singing songs from the shows. You know, I dreamed a dream in times gone by. No, no, <laughs> that is that is my idea of hell. Yeah. So you're next to a palm tree, and the bloke you're with, the contrarian, he's he's fucked off to the other side of the island, obviously, and the other bloke you're with, or the other person you're with, is is hanging from a sort of palm tree and singing, you know, sort of something from I don't know, uh, you know, Les Mis or or <laughs> I just or Cats. Can you imagine a song from Cats or something? Yeah. I just cannot think. Or West Side Story. I just cannot think of anything worse because, obviously, I you know I do stand up and all sorts of stuff, and I'm a performer. But you've got to have an off switch. But some people, and stand ups in the main are actually quite good at this. You've got to have an off switch. If you were on a desert island with a performer who didn't have an off switch and was constantly singing, and I once um, I once did a gig where it wasn't just comedy. It was um, there were singers as well and. One block on stage, and he was an opera singer. And I don't know if you've ever been in the same room as an opera singer. It's it's extraordinarily loud. Yeah, like they are. It is inhuman how loud they're now. <laughs> the idea of sharing, as much as I appreciate it as an art form, it's not really my thing. But you know, you you can't deny that it's impressive. Sharing a desert island with someone who's got that kind of vocal ability yeah. would be. Deeply irritating after about fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
I think it's maybe it's something about our culture. It just doesn't quite sit well with us when someone's that confident all of the time. Yeah. I had a friend who who their friendship group involved a lot of these people who were very sort of confident performers and did improv and things like that. And it was just slightly unnerving because it was just a bit like every laugh was a bit too loud and a bit like a bit over the top. And it was just really like, yes, no one's that confident. Like you're sort of now you're performing, you've gone past being yourself and you're, you're on stage here in the pub. And it's like when you're um, imposing your confidence on somebody else. <laughs> For instance, I used to live in a very studenty area of Cardiff and you'd, you'd always see it. First year students were particularly bad for this. You'd be in Tesco or something and they would be very loudly and performatively discussing their like booze choices for the rest mm. of the aisle to hear. You're yeah. like, mate, I don't, I don't care that you've bought Drumbooey because you're going to a party. <laughs> it, it could not be less relevant to my life. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think I'll probably end up drinking eight pints of uh, of gin and tonic. Yeah, great. You know, do that. I I, I, I couldn't care less. But you're performatively discussing your choices in front of like like there's like a you know a, a taxi driver and a, and a sort of and a postman and a nurse. We're just trying to get our like, ready meals so that we can go home and watch telly with our feet up. And that that really annoys me. Like um, when I first started doing stand up, when I was in open spot, the other open spots I was always drawn to the ones I liked were the nerds who just like comedy who actually weren't very confident. Mm. And often were quite bad performers, but had good material. The ones I could never really relate to were often the ones with acting training who appeared bulletproof on stage and appeared bulletproof off stage because of their acting training, even if the gig had gone badly. And I used to think, what is you must you must accept that we're in Northampton and no one's been laughing. <laughs> and yet you've got this sort of <laughs> Painted on rictus grin. Mm. I'm like, come on, come on, mate. That was, they were throwing chicken kebs at you. This is, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> I acknowledge that this has gone badly. I mean, the idea of them doing musicals at a college, like a drama college in the canteen, I sort of understand it just because that's sort of how musicals work. Like you're in an everyday setting and then someone starts singing. So maybe the temp- maybe it's just the overwhelming temptation. Like I've worked in factories before, like when I left uni. I worked in loads of sort of like industrial like factories and warehouses and stuff. And I always used to just think, God, imagine if this place burst into song. It would be perfect. <laughs> but I don't even like musicals. But like just because it looked it looked like a set, you know, like yeah, for someone like me. Guys and dolls. Yeah, and it's probably just because like I'm an awful middle class person who hasn't been in many factories so I was like wow it, yeah. lo- it looks amazing so maybe it's just that energy in anything that's vaguely like not like a, a just a very plain room I, I just I just if I'm going to be sung at I want it to be my choice when that happens absolutely yeah I don't want to be sung at when I'm you know eating a Kit Kat and drinking a can of Sprite because it's my lunch time yeah and I think some of the best things in life are when you're with a group of people that you'll get on with and there's spontaneous humour. But when it's someone like this, I don't think it'll ever be spontaneous because they know at the back of their mind, like, I want to sing this tune from Cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the drama student with no self-awareness joins yes. you on the island. Yeah. Um, and who's going to be the third dick? Um, I once uh, did a corporate event. I did stand up at a corporate event and I had to sit with the director 
um, and I've and I've served the dinner before I got up and and did comedy. I was the president of the company, and I was sat next to his wife, and she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm the turn." And she said, oh, "Are you a singer?" I said, "No, I'm a comedian, actually." And she said, um, "Oh, I hate comedy of all kinds." <laughs> <laughs> And then she nudged her husband and said, don't I? And he said, yes, yes, she does. She said, I hate it all. <laughs> so, I, so I thought, oh, I'll choose her then. I'll be, you know, some, <laughs> some, some, someone who hates to laugh would be an issue. But then I thought, what would be more annoying than that? I thought, oh, yeah, Don King, the boxing promoter, Don King. <laughs> because as I'm almost, because I'm not really suited for design in life, as I'm almost certainly you know, breathing my last. I haven't eaten properly for days. I smashed my glasses on impact, which means I can't see very much. I'm uncomfortable because I'm being able to change my pants in weeks. I don't need a hype man in that scenario. <laughs> I don't need a hype man to tell me that this is the best desert island I've I've ever crash landed on. <laughs> and also, <laughs> a hype man who's got links to organised crime because not only is the hype irritating. I'm very frightened as well. I can't relax. <laughs> I just don't think we'd we'd uh, get on. I'd find that I, I'd find out that um, somehow on the desert island, um, I don't know. He's he's embezzled funds from <laughs> from my bank account or something. So yeah, I just um, I've I've watched a lot of boxing documentaries recently, and mm. he, he never he never really comes out to them in in glowing terms. <laughs> right. And also just. I don't think I'd need my morale lifted. I think I would need someone to be to be very realistic about my uh, about our situation, and I don't think he would be able to be realistic. No. Be oh man, this is the greatest <laughs> uninhabited small island that anyone's ever crash landed. <laughs> Does it feel that way, Don? <laughs> I feel very vulnerable, actually. Because it's wildlife I don't recognise and we haven't got any access to food or water. <laughs> oh, this is the greenest! <laughs> okay. I reckon, I reckon first thing in the morning. It's like people who've got loads of energy first thing. I can't. Mm. No. When I do the school run, if I get there and there are other parents waiting in line, I often haven't, I haven't said a word. Mm. And and often I will try not to say well because I it actually takes me about an hour and a half before I'm able to speak properly. Oh yeah, minimum. Yeah, so in the morning I might say, "Go on, eat your toast. <sighs> eat your toast. No, you can't have apple juice. You can have a glass of milk, or you can have some water. No, you can't have a smoothie because it's too sweet. Just eat. so that that is as much as I can do. Yeah. And you know, when I used to live in house shares, most of the people in house shares, like in my late teens and twenties, were similar to me. But every now and then. If you were at parties when you were staying over, there'd be someone who would, even if they were hungover, they would sort of jump out of bed. Mm. Hey, what should we do today? We're not going to yeah. do anything today. <laughs> Why would we want to do anything? It's it's a Sunday, and we, you know, we only went to bed at five. <laughs> why why on earth would you want to go and play crazy golf? It's absolute. <laughs> it's you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So I think that Don King would have an element of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's weird, isn't it? Because there's lots of things in life where, you know, if a joke is told too many times or like a bit is done too many times, it loses its impact and its resonance. But with someone like Don King, it's like if he stops doing that, he dies. <laughs> 
Don, we we get it. It's an exciting boxing match, but we're all going to watch it anyway. It's all right. Yeah, like, yeah. We, you know, it's it's just the biggest match of the year. Like you don't have to, um, you don't have to. No, but like, and and you couldn't. Yeah, I, just, I would love to see that energy transform to a mundane space. You know, I, I, like him shopping or. This something. is the greatest printer paper, eighty GSM printer paper you've <laughs> ever seen in your life. <laughs> It is it is the HP laser jet printer that refuses to quit. <laughs> and you'd know that like something was really wrong. I mean, he'd be a good barometer for like the mood of the island because the day that you're like, Don, you haven't said anything yet today. He's like, ah, oh, I just don't feel like it today. And you'd be like, oh my god, Don, are you are you Shit. okay? Like, yeah, yeah. You've you've taken your brocade waistcoat off. What's what's going on? Like, where's the you, Where's the musical guy? Yeah. <laughs> Luck be a lady tonight. You know, just his his hair just slightly sort of drooping <laughs> down. It's like, you know, it's like the signs of a healthy looking dog or something. It's like bright eyes, wagging tail, and like I think if Don yeah. King's hair just droops slightly and like you know maybe sort of isn't sort of wearing a, a waistcoat and a really shiny jacket, you're like, the, oh no, the the, the signs. Yeah, of of a happy boxing promoter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his hair's sticking up. Oh, his cigar's almost gone out. It's, he yeah, can't, he can't be. Shit. It's in a bad way. Oh God, he hasn't spoken in rhyme for ages. <laughs> yeah, I wonder because also if you imagine if you're a boxer and you're like doing that thing where like you have to get really close to their face, which I imagine even if you're going to punch this guy a lot and you believe that you're stronger and better than him, I still don't know how they're comfortable with that sort of nose-to-nose kind of thing. And then yeah. you've got Don King just sort of like just spinning around wildly behind you, just shouting a lot. And like, I don't know how that's not really distracting. Do you think afterwards they're no. like, Don, come on, I'm trying to get in the zone here. I've got to, I've got to fight a really hard man here. It's weird, isn't it? Because with boxing, you um, for like the, the World Cup final, or the Champions League final, the FA Cup final, the the fixture is the event. Mm. So, you know, no matter who plays in the World Cup final, the fact is the World Cup final is the important thing. But obviously with, with boxing matches, unless the boxers are fighting for a second time, there's no precedent. So it's all about the personalities of the fighters. Mm. So, so you constantly need to be creating drama and story. And I just think that on a desert island, I think you'd have to have some quiet time. Mm. I'd be like, I'm not sure, yeah, please. I'd, yeah. I'd, you know, just just chill. Mm. I think the only time he was going to calm down is if he's sort of like trying to work out a rhyme of like how we can promote it. Like, there's going to be violent sunny island. Does that work? I don't, it's not quite. <laughs> and like, just that might be the thing that like drives him mad. Yeah, you have yeah. to, you know, God, he's, he's going bright red. We need to, we need to come up with a tagline quick. He, he won't rest until he's got one. And then, <laughs> so you'd sort of have to be co-opted. And then once he's got one, he's off again. And you're like, Fuck, yeah. should I have done that? I don't know. Anyway, it's a very fine choice. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Initially, I was going to go for pears mm. because I don't like pears. Um, I will eat most things. Uh, I'm not particularly fussy and I like more stuff. I just cannot get on with pears. Then I thought, no, 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 no. There's something far more depressing. And it's a legacy, I think, of um, filming in rural locations and doing stand-up in small villages and towns. There's a certain kind of shop-bought package sandwich that are sold in garages on rural A-roads. 
And when you bite into these sandwiches, they're wet. Mm. And you don't really... You, they used to get them a lot in service stations on motorways, but food in service stations has now to um, largely improved. But there's, it's like you, you'd be driving through, I don't know, Mid Wales or something, and there hasn't been a shop open for miles. And then you see a little petrol station. It hasn't got a spar attached to it or something. It's just a small petrol station. And the sandwiches in there will always be absolutely disgusting. And when you bite into them, they're too cold and they're sort of moist. Yeah. And you think, well, this goes off today. How long has this been here for? And those sandwiches just depress me. And the idea of just eating, there's, there's, it is purely food that you eat to keep going mm. before you can get to your destination and maybe get something better. So just living off them, it will be so unremittingly bleak and depressing. Yeah. So those sandwiches, um, a couple of pairs have been chucked in there. In terms of drink, mm. I think the worst one would be, I mean, I haven't, had, I haven't had it for years and years, but Red Bull. Can you imagine if you only had to survive on Red Bull? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. It's be- awful. So you're on a desert island. I'm assuming it's sunny, so you're going to be thirsty. So you need to quench your thirst. You can't drink water from the sea because obviously that's salt and stuff. So you need to drink the drink that's sort of crash-landed with you in the plane. Now, I don't know what the bare minimum you could drink on a de- desert island would be to keep you alive, but if it's all Red Bull, mm. by mid-morning, you're going to be anxious. <laughs> you're going to be stressed. Your heart's going to be going like the clappers. I'm assuming there's going to be toilet issues. <laughs> when it first came out, I was a student, and I just thought it was a normal mixer, like mm. sort of Coke or something. And I must have gone out, and I must have had like seven or eight cans of it. And I remember walking home and thinking, this is a very, very weird <laughs> feeling. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm not sure this is normal. <laughs> and then the next morning uh, was an absolute car crash. So you're on a desert island, you've got stuff to do, you need to sort of shelter, you need to sort out um, food source, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You need, to, you need to write SOS in white pebbles so that mm. a plane overhead can see you. All of the sort of general admin have been stuck on a desert island. You've got Don King talking about how Red Bull is the best drink ever. <laughs> um, I just think there's no way that after about two days you wouldn't be completely sick of it. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Don King and Red Bull, can you imagine that combination? And yeah. the drama student as oh well. I mean, God. fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just be, it would be a really hard drink to drink a lot of on a desert island, I think. I just think with Red Bull, it's weird because they obviously invented it and they went, oh, we've mixed all this shit together and this is what it tastes like. All right. Well, people, it's the first of its kind, so that's fine. Yeah. Diabetics you know, can't drink it. No, but then people started trying to copy it and then making bad versions of Red Bull. And it's like, but the the, norm, the baseline isn't good. It's just that that's what it came yeah. out as. It's its own weird flavour. It's not like they tried to make Coke and it went, oh, God, it's this yeah. taste. Yeah, and it is, a, it is quite a medicinal flavour as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's very associated with um, like extreme sports now mm, and documentaries yeah. about extreme sports. Like they've got their own TV channel and stuff which is quite weird because my memory of it when it first came out was that it was something that students used when they were up all night writing essays or long-distance lorry drivers would use it, um, you know, as they were driving to Rotterdam from uh, Grimsby. (laughs) (laughs) We have a a telly that's got, like, you know, different apps on it, and um, one of them's, like, the Red Bull channel. 
Yeah. And I quite like watching all that kind of stuff. So, but you forget that it's anything to do with a drink after all because it's yeah. just such this big brand. You know, they don't sort of like ram it down your throat all the time by having little adverts, Red Bull or anything. But quite often, someone will just do like something insane on a bike and then afterwards they'll, yeah. they'll be drinking a can of it. The thing that that guy has just done, which is terrifying and exhausting, and they've hurtled down a cliff on a bike or something. I, we've seen the same documentary. Yeah. Like, the last thing you want to do is like have that to drink. Like You want just a nice big pint of water or something. Yeah, he's going to... This bloke has been training for two years and he's going to ride his bike off a cliff, but he's got a parachute on his back mm. and the bike also has a parachute attached to it. And he's going to do four flips, have a Red Bull after the second flip. <laughs> and then and then he's, he's going to land, I don't know, in a, it's sort of in the crevice of a ravine. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've also watched those documentaries and it, it's a very funny bit of product placement. There was one on there about a guy who swam around, um, he swam around the UK and it took quite a long time, as you'd imagine. And he, there was all these like little uh, video diaries of his checking in and people like submitting questions on Twitter. And he was like, OK, so, you know, on day 48, just going to answer some of your questions here. And someone had gone, do you actually drink Red Bull? And obviously Red Bull had had to keep that in because they were like, well, no, because we want to prove that it's a useful thing. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, all these studies that show that a certain amount of caffeine, blah, 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 blah. And then I realised the amount he was talking about was such a small amount that he was taking each day. He'd obviously thought, <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if I, like, the research has shown that, and he was having the equivalent of, like, maybe one espresso a day, which is like, yeah, you know, yeah. like a fifth of a can or something. Yeah. I was like, uh, hang on, he said the millilitres, I'm on to you. Yes. So, yeah, Red Bull. And the, and the packet sandwiches as well is just, I, I don't know, it's something about the wet, cold misery of it as well. Because it's, you know, when you're eating at a petrol station, it's because you're desperate. You know, you need something to keep you going. And if that's yeah. all you've got. I used to know a bloke who, whose favourite food was genuinely hot dogs from vans on the side of the road. Mm. And he would... He couldn't resist buying a hot dog from a van on the side of the road. <laughs> I met an Australian once who was really impressed. Like he, he said in Australia they didn't have packet sandwiches like that. And he was like, everywhere you go, there's just these sandwiches. It's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, right, are you sure? Is that... Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Oh, what a country. Oh, my <laughs> God, there's packet sandwiches everywhere. It's absolutely incredible, mate. Yeah, it was extraordinary. <laughs> anyway, I think it's a, a very good shit meal choice. Okay, now, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? With the song, I have a very, very low cringe threshold, and I also have a very, very low, oh, it's a bit of a giggle threshold. So mm. any novelty song, that especially the, the more successful ones, um, I think probably in the last few years, the most irritating one is Baby Shark. Mm -hmm. Thinking back through my life, all of the ones that got to number one and it was seen as a bit of a laugh. So Mr. Blobby was also just horrible and I didn't find it funny. The most irritating one, and the one that I just could not understand why anyone was getting any joy out of it at all, was uh, the fast food song by the fast food rockers. Yes. Do, do you remember that one? McDonald's, McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Pizza. Ugh, I, I mean, I can't even. I just I just can't. And I, I, if, if that is ever playing, you know that bit in Partridge where Lynn 
opens his drawer, his secret drawer, <laughs> and he and he dives across the bed to close yeah. the drawer. I will do that if if it was ever played. So obviously, I, I've got young kids, so I go to um, I go to a lot of uh, birthday parties, and the mm. music is you know inevitably terrible, and it's a bit in fever pitch when Nick Hornby says because he. he you and some of his living as a rock critic. Hmm. He was like, it's quite teenage of me, but I, I actually find songs I don't like sort of almost personally offensive. Yeah. And that song in particular. So it would be the fast food song <laughs> by the fast food rockers. But again, any any of that kind of baby shark, Mr. Blobby sort of thing. Hmm. You know, yeah. th- there are Christmas, uh, Christmas songs I don't mind, actually. I quite like a lot of Christmas songs, but there's that sort of novelty record that makes mm. a lot of wankers a lot of money just yeah. just does my head in i'm i'm very with you on this because i think in the last 5 days my 4 year old son somehow through a youtube algorithm discovered crazy frog oh my god yeah yeah awful and you know the thing about these songs is that you know they've got a shelf life and then they go away and this you know crazy frog was like what 20 odd years ago now yeah, And I thought we'd never have to listen to that again. Suddenly I've got it in my house. And I sort of adopted quite a f- hard line on this straight away. And I was like, oh, no, don't watch Crazy Frog again. I really don't like it. Yeah, And then he said to my wife, you know, mummy, I, I know no one else likes this song, but I just think it's really good. And it was <laughs> like, and I felt awful for him, you know, because yeah. you like it. And we're just going, stop listening to Crazy Frog again. Oh, so maybe I should let him listen to it. But it's not like... I mean, the good thing about small children is you can introduce them to good music and they've yeah, got such yeah, a yeah. huge, they're just open to anything. So, yeah. you know, you can listen to the Beatles or something, you know, interesting. But then, Yeah, we've done that quite successfully, actually. I, I love my daughter's taste of music. The only the only difference is when, with, with little kids, they repetitions. So she likes Penny Lane. Mm. So we, we drove to see her grandmother and so an hour and 40 minutes and there's an hour and 40 minutes back. So we listened to Penny Lane. 60 times <laughs> and I, lo- I love Penny Lane but by the 40th time you're completely numb to it mm. yeah and and then we went for a drive when we were there and we had Penny Lane on again it's amazing how they will just listen to the same song again and again and yeah. again so thankfully it's a song that I happen to like by a band I really love but yeah I mean if it was Baby Shark or one of those things I think I would just say I'm, I'm afraid we, we're not doing this anymore yeah, I just I had to be blunt with him, but um, yeah, unfortunately, he's found the bit of YouTube where it can show like what you listened to last, so he can go back and oh, find it again. Whereas yeah, before, yeah, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, I don't know that it changes all the time. I don't know where it is now. Sorry, yeah, what was it? I can't remember yeah. what it was called. Or I can't find it, so I can't even light him. But yeah, I mean that fast food one is insane, though. It's like I mean, because you forget who that- was buying that. What sort of thicko is buying that? Yeah, maybe it's just like some record exec or something and their kids start singing it in the car and they're like, hang on, say that again. Yeah. I yeah. think they're onto something. <laughs> what was that last no. bit, McDonald's? Change Burger King to McDonald's and I think we've got a hit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good choice. Okay, what would your, your film choice be? Uh, I've never managed to watch more than the first three minutes of Love Actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're very lucky in that respect. So probably a couple of times I've sat down with someone who did like it and after three minutes had to leave the room. And over Christmas, so I'd seen the first three minutes probably twice, maybe three times. And then it was on over Christmas 
I was flicking through the channels and we were probably, I remember I looked at my watch, we were like an hour and 10 minutes in. So I was, I was in uncharted territory. I'd, I'd never seen this part of love actually. And again, I watched for about 90 seconds and I had to turn it off. So I, I've got about a threshold of about 90 seconds, three minutes for love actually. So I'm on a desert island. I'm bored. I need entertainment. I haven't got my computer. I haven't got my phone. I haven't got any books. I haven't got my records, etc., etc. I need to watch something. I am. Could I sit through it? I mean, looking at the form guide, you would have to think no. <laughs> um, if it was the last film on earth, and I'm doing it to get away from Don King, someone who's always singing songs from the shows and a contrarian. Hmm. I don't. I don't think I could actually. And there's there's a certain kind of Englishness that's in films that I find very irritating. And I, I live in England. I've got no problem with England. But it's the René Zellweger voice mm. in uh, Bridget Jones, which just goes through me. <laughs> and Love Actually is is full of that voice. Yeah, yeah. And it's a sort of England I don't really recognise. And, oh, my God. It just, again, it's, I've got a very, very low cringe threshold and it just makes me cringe. And it's a, it's a Richard Curtis film. I mean, I absolutely love Blackadder. There's a lot of Richard Curtis's work I really like. Mm. Um, Blackadder in particular, but bloody hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that film. <laughs> and I can't even discuss what I think the weaknesses in the film are because mm. I haven't seen it. I just know that I've seen enough after the first 180 seconds. So mm. it's not like... there was a There was a piece in one of the papers over Christmas about how love actually was, you know, it was a it was a kind of critical analysis. It really stuck the boot in. And I read the article and I couldn't even relate to it or empathise with it because I'd never got that far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's and there's a lot of there's a lot of quite good actors in it as well, from what I from it's what I understand. A great cast, yeah, got a good really cast. good cast. There's a smugness to it that I just can't abide. Mm. Oh well, there certainly is in the first three minutes. I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe the other hundred and seventeen minutes is absolutely brilliant. But um, <laughs> but I I I I I don't think that is the case. It's so sort of heavy handed, and it's that sort of as you say that idea of a certain kind of Englishness where it's you sort of expect someone to kind of be walking along in London a bit sad, and someone goes, "Cheer up, greatest city in the world." It's that kind <laughs> of like like. <laughs> That's yeah, sort mark, of like, a market trader. Yeah. Come on, love. It's not that bad. <laughs> Cheer up, love. Fuck off, mate. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I've lived in London for like 12 years or so, and it's taken me a long time to get to really enjoy it. You know, I just tolerated it for a long time. And now I really do like London. But none of the things I like about London are in a Richard Curtis movie. It's just his idea of London is the idea of someone who probably hasn't really lived or either hasn't lived in London or has lived in a very specific isolated part of London yeah, for a long yeah, time. Yeah. There's never anyone smoking weed at a bus stop in Richard Curtis films. Exactly. It's unrealistic. Or doing a wheelie outside a chicken shop. Yeah, just riding an electric scooter really fast down the <laughs> yeah. pavement, you know. <laughs> None of that. I mean, electric scooters, in his in his defence, electric scooters didn't exist at the time of love, actually. Yeah. But it's just that sort of like, and Hugh Grant will be Prime Minister and he'll fall in love with a common girl. And who's that? Yeah. Martine McCutcheon. She's got an accent, hasn't she? And it's just... Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's yeah, an awful, awful piece Ugh. of work. So um, it's a very good choice. Okay, Ellis, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Are you aware of the internet forum Quora? I've seen it. I've never, I don't think I've been on it. But... Okay, I, I googled something once. What looked like the most reasonable answer probably a bit of confirmation biases, but it was something that looked fairly interesting. I thought, well, I will read that. I can't remember what I'd Googled. And it was on a Quora forum. So it's mm. a sort of question and answer um, forum on, on online, right? That's, mm. that, that's seemingly what it is. But to read the answer in full, I had to register. I thought, okay, well, it doesn't cost anything, so I'll register. So I read the answer. There we go. And then what it does then is, based on what you've previously clicked on, it will send you more or further questions on that kind of topic, but they'll, they'll right. get emailed them. And then because you've registered, you can click on. And I don't know what I, I, I don't know what I initially asked, but but it's tailored very very weird questions to what it thinks my personality is. Okay. So as I've said. I don't know what I Googled when I first when I first signed up to a website, but now the only stuff I ever get emailed is Could Riddick Bow, the heavyweight boxer, survive ninety seconds in a cage with an orangutan? <laughs> and then and then it'd be like, No, he absolutely couldn't. Even though Riddick Bow is six for four, blah 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 blah. This <laughs> is what an angry orangutan did to this poor woman at a zoo in Florida. And then it'll be a picture of a woman who's had her face ripped off. And I <laughs> get these emailed to my inbox <laughs> daily and I think it must be because I keep I click on them occasionally it's sending me more and more so based on whatever it was I googled a long time ago primates are very 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 angry animals yeah brackets yeah. general so any kind of pissed pissed off primate it would be absolutely horrific because they're very, very angry. They're much, much stronger than humans. Hmm. Um, and I think the final indignity as I was getting my legs ripped off by a chimpanzee would be to sort of lie there thinking, we share so much DNA. <laughs> it's like having my legs ripped off by my second cousin. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, they're just they're just like these humanoid sort of fighting machines. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I, I don't think I'd last 10 seconds with a sort of sil- silverback gorilla. And that's the thing. I think I find it really depressing when, you know, like I was watching an Attenborough thing and it was, there's one where there's just a tribe of chimpanzees and they like invade another territory and they have this huge fight and it's really graphic and horrendous. And I just think, God, and we're their closest relative. Like, yeah. there's no hope for us. There's no hope for us. And then sometimes they show the bonobos that have sex a lot, and you think, well, maybe oh, there and is they hope wank for us. loads. They wank loads. Yeah, well, there's still it? no hope for us. You're on a desert island. You've got Don King hyping up how great the island is in rhyme. <laughs> uh, you've got someone singing "Luck Be a Lady Tonight." You've got a contrarian and just a wanking monkey who could kill you at any time. <laughs> And you're sitting there eating your wet sandwich, thinking to yourself, "Well, I can't even, I can't even tempt him with this. The Red Bull's only going to make things worse." <laughs> and just, I've never seen, a, I've never seen a primate wank to completion, <laughs> but I imagine there's loads of it. <laughs> it's just the sheer volume <laughs> will be horrendous. 
There's monkey spaff everywhere. You're like, yeah. crying out loud. Again, <laughs> chill out. And then you're trying your best to stop this. Because every now and then you you will read about like a mad millionaire who's who's raised a lion from a mm. cub and the lion will be relatively tame or a tiger or something. So you think, okay, well, a lion or a tiger can't be that bad. Or maybe, may, you know, clearly it would be, but I, I just think... I reckon there's some animals I could outrun or I could climb up a tree. Yeah. You don't have that option. Some monkeys either wanking or fighting. You think to yourself, I, either way, this is going to be unpleasant, potentially deadly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I haven't, you know, not, 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 not a lovely environment to live in. No, I think, I think you've done a superb job, Ellis, of um, picking an incredibly inhospitable environment. Um, yeah. The interplay between the characters and... Uh, yeah, I mean... Your last I, few seconds, soundtracked by the fast food rockers performing the fast food song, talking about food you can't even eat. <laughs> I think it's it's flawless, really. I mean, you know, sometimes on this podcast, I have to sort of really sort of stretch to, you know, to agree with, with what our guests choose. But I think in this instance, I'm absolutely with you every step of the way. So, thank uh, you very much. Thank you very much indeed. Um, Ellis, obviously... You know, having heard this, our listeners will want to see and hear more of you. Um, where's the best place they can do that? Um, I do a five live show every Friday with John Robbins between one and three. Uh, so you can either listen live or you can download the podcast. I also do a podcast that's nominally a sports podcast, but we discuss sport for about 15% of it called the Socially Distant Sports Bar, where we just make each other laugh, really. Um, and you can get that. Um, yeah, where, 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 wherever you get a podcast from, that's where you can get it. <laughs> Brilliant. Ellis, thank you again so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. A pleasure is all mine. So there you go. That was Ellis James on Desert Island Dicks. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to record. And uh, yeah, I think he did brilliantly. Now, we've been a bit crap with it recently, but we do intend to bring back Compact Dicks soon, which is where you, the listener, get to share the people and things you'd hate to be stuck on an island with. And so in the meantime, you can always, at any point, share your dicks with us Go to dickspod.com slash contact to leave us uh, a submission and uh, we'll try and read them out next time we finally get our asses into gear to release a compact dicks. All that remains for me to say is thank you for listening. Um, Desert Island Dicks has been a sync clap production created by James Deacon, produced and presented by me, Dan Benedictus. Edited by Chris Attaway, social media support from Jason Leach and Chinsey Clinton, and a special mention to Grand Mamster Flash and John Deacon, as always. That's it. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>